Hello and a welcome to the Clarity is Crucial podcast. This is Vanessa Velez, the founder and face of Clarity is Crucial and the creator of Role Model Mastery. And I am back. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for your patience while I prepped this episode for you. Some big things have happened since our last episode, including the fact that I moved to a new place, which is an adventure on its own when you think about all of the safety protocols and physical distancing and all of that. And yet we still made it happen. So right now I'm coming to you from my new workspace. We had some Mercury retrograde delays. That's what I'm calling them. Uh, We had some delays getting the internet set up and a few other things. And now that's all done. And I trust it's in aligned with the right timeline. So I'm here now and ready to dive into this episode on this microaggression fail, some major wisdom, and I'm answering the question of where I'm really from. So let's get to it. A fun fact about me is that there is this question that I've gotten a lot over the decades that kind of triggers me. It takes me off sometimes. I call it a microaggression question. And uh, I've been getting this question probably since I've been about 12 or 13 years old. Um, So we're looking at close to 30 years now. I've been getting this question and to some it might seem harmless. And to those of us who've constantly gotten that question, it's a reminder that many have been conditioned to see us as foreigners in our own land. When in reality, my roots are more indigenous to this land than the people usually asking that question. And this is something I do my best to diplomatically point out to them. So here's an example of how this goes. A white passing person will say, hey, where are you from? And me, patiently responding because I know where this is going, I'll say, I'm from New York, born and raised. And this white passing person will then go, oh, but where are you really from? And then there's me, tempering my slowly rising rage, stemming from generations of colonization and oppression, I patiently respond, do you mean where my family is from? And they'll say, yeah. So I give them the answer. My father's family is from Puerto Rico. My mother's family is from Colombia. And I've been able to trace my roots back to two indigenous tribes native to the Americas. Where are you from? I'll pose the question back to them. And white passing people will usually respond the same way I did in the very beginning with the state they're from. I'll say I'm from New York. They'll say something like Idaho, Massachusetts, Kansas. You get the idea. And to them, I immediately reply, okay, and where's your family really from? And I have to note that most of these people are taken aback when I flip that same phrased question back on them. And it's in that moment they realize that it is a microaggression question. Now, in decades of going through this kind of conversational exchange, I've only had one white passing person truly know 
where their roots originate. And it was a beautiful thing. He was able to tell me the three countries his family originates from and my the year they migrated to the Americas. But he's the only one I've met in decades who's been able to answer that question that I'm being asked a lot. Which brings me again to the conditioning I mentioned earlier. That's gone on in this country for hundreds of years, where many people who are not indigenous to these lands believe they are. And those of us with indigenous roots are viewed as other, as foreign, or as a minority. And that's another word I don't believe in, especially if you've seen my stories recently, you know I mentioned that we're not the minority. The fact is that people of color, people with melanin, are the majority on this planet. So for those of you who are curious about my roots, here's what I know about them. And before I share that with you, it's really important for me to say that I know that even the fact that I can trace back my roots is a privilege that many don't have. And on this journey, that has been one of the heartbreaking things for me because I've found so much healing and meaning in being able to uncover these things about my lineage. And it's heartbreaking to know that there's some people who might not have that opportunity. So I'm very grateful for it. And I can say that if you can in any way learn more about your lineage, it is an act of power. So here goes. Earlier I shared that my father's family is from Puerto Rico. My father was dark skinned. He's what many would consider Afro-Boricua. And I didn't think about any of those kind of labels or concepts until I was an adult. Because for me, when I looked at my dad, he was my dad. That was his label. And he's passed away several years ago now. On his side of the family, they practiced Yoruba-based spirituality. And this was confirmed by my uncle and another relative recently as well. And Yoruba has its origins in Africa, mostly West Africa from what I've been told. I've also been able to um, trace back some Taino blood in the family line as well on my father's side. And the Taino are indigenous to the Caribbean and they come from the Arawak people. So personally, here's where it gets really interesting. I saw my dad use altars and magic secretly for years. And he told me stories of how he was used in rituals as a child for his intuitive abilities. Now, as a teenager, I remember him showing me spells and blessings that he would do to help control and sometimes manipulate the outcome of certain situations. Now, on the topic of dark or manipulative magic, I will say that my viewpoint is that if you use any magic with ill intent, then there are ill consequences to pay for that. That's how karma and balance work. Now, I also remember my grandmother, my father's mother, having altars in her bedroom too, and being able to intuitively read cards and coffee grounds and things like this. That was a normal occurrence. And all in all, I will say it was very mystical as fuck <laughs> behind closed doors in the Velez 
household. Now, this was a secret side of the family. Remember, as I mentioned earlier, my father did these things in secret. And I believe there's a reason for that. Because due to colonization, many people had to hide their spirituality in order to be able to continue to practice what they believed in. So I feel like that stems from that, that secrecy and, and performing these rituals behind closed doors. You know, it's a almost like a collective wound that's carried um, by these people, my people. Now, to the world, my dad was a Catholic brown kid from the projects. He moved from Puerto Rico to New York when he was about seven years old. He picked up English easily. He spoke it with no accent and he was as Americanized as you could be. So he was in his late 20s when he met my mom. Now on my mother's side of the family, they're from Colombia. And my mom moved to New York when she was about 15 years old and she was put to work in what sounds like a sweatshop to me okay <laughs> when I hear the stories of this it's really horrific to even consider that that's what she went through but she went through it she's a resilient woman and today she's a healer an entrepreneur and we can have conversations about metaphysics the nature of reality the cosmos extraterrestrials multi-dimensional beings portals parallel timelines and that's like a normal Tuesday with my mom <laughs> now her mother my grandmother was highly intuitive and a healer in her own right and she had altars in her bedroom too like my other grandmother so on a side note there was major shade between my two grandmothers when I was growing up and both of them have since passed on but they did not like each other at all it was like it was just too much magic and intensity for one room like that's what happens when you get two alpha brujas in one room now on my mother's side in regards to my lineage here's how the story goes my maternal great-grandmother left my grandmother her daughter for some time to go into the jungle and study with a healer when she returned from the jungle, she was gone for a while. She was known as the medicine woman for her community from then on. And she helped deliver children into the world. She helped heal people physically and spiritually. She was known for this. On a personal note, my great-grandmother comes through so strongly whenever I call on my honorable ancestors for help and guidance. Like, I didn't even realize that it was her coming through until I was an adult. But she's definitely been a honorable guiding force in my life and I'm grateful for that. So now the indigenous roots on this side of my family come from a tribe called the Chipcha. And if you've ever heard of the legend of El Dorado, this legend has its origins with my tribe, with the Chipcha tribe. El Dorado refers to the Chipcha kings, and it means the gilded man or the golden one. And I was like, oh, I like the sound of that. So the Chipchas were masterful with gold. They performed these lavish ceremonies and rituals with gold too. And gold was one of the things, probably the main thing, the colonizers wanted to take from them and ship back to Europe. Now, according to the legend, when it was time to crown a new king in this tribe, that man had to prepare first with a period of abstinence. 
which does not sound fun, but it is necessary when you need to purify yourself and raise your energy. We can talk more about that in a future episode. If you're curious, hit me up on Instagram and let me know that you're curious about that and I will definitely dive into it. So he had to first observe a period of abstinence and that meant he had to be secluded in a cave and he was forbidden to have any salt, any chili peppers because of the spiciness and the heat and how they raise libido and he was also forbidden from having any women. Now when his coronation day arrived, he would travel with the tribe to a sacred lake that formed inside the crater of an old volcano and he would go there and they would build a raft made out of reeds the super intricate the ceremony and he would need to take this raft to the center of the lake inside this extinct volcano so now on the raft he had tons of gold with him emeralds and four large incense burners this is all part of the ritual so i want you to imagine this lake inside the crater of a volcano and all of this mystical smoke all around it just kind of adding to the vibe in this scene so now he himself is completely naked and entirely covered with like a, a resin that's kind of sticky i want to say maybe it's like honey or something like that and then they blow a fine gold dust all over his body so he's literally a naked golden man on a raft filled with gold <laughs> floating out to the center of this volcanic lake which to me sounds kind of hot so when he gets to the very center the tribe the people from the shore of the lake play music they play trumpets and they sing and then everyone gets silent and the gold and the emeralds that he has on the raft with him are thrown into the lake as offerings so that this new king's reign might be blessed and then this naked golden man jumps into the lake and when he emerges from the water cleaned of all the gold that's when he officially becomes king and that's where i'm really from but if you ask me in passing i'm gonna say i'm from new york because that's just so much simpler <laughs> i was born in new york i was raised there i was immersed in diversity from birth i lived in the bronx i went to school in manhattan i worked in queens my partner was born in Brooklyn, so I'm from New York, and, and I'm currently based in Miami, for those of you who are curious, aka the Magic City. How fitting is that? So we're going to wrap up this episode with this challenge to you. When you encounter anyone that you consider different from you in any way, be mindful of how you engage in conversation. And ask yourself, are you making certain assumptions based on old conditioning and old bias? Many years ago, one of my spiritual mentors taught me this one piece of major wisdom. You don't know the whole story about anyone. You don't know the whole story about anyone. You don't know the whole story about anyone. And knowing this has allowed me to make powerful, purposeful, meaningful, soul-level aligned connections with people from all different walks of life. And I'm so grateful for that. 
So before you ask a personal question of someone that you perceive as different from you, ask yourself why you're asking it. Because what might seem like a minor question or a common comment to you could be perceived as a repeated microaggression to someone else. And definitely don't ask a question you're not willing or comfortable answering yourself. That's my challenge for you in the week ahead and beyond. And I have one more thing to share. You, my friend, are here for a reason. And deep down, you know this. There is a brilliance and a wisdom within you that the world needs right now. You have priceless experience. You have expertise. You have an extraordinary way of looking at things. And you have your own incredible story. The question is, are you being the person your purpose needs you to be? I'd love to help you break through that inner resistance and elevate it to the woman you know you're here to be. And that's what happens in Role Model Mastery, our exclusive leadership training program where we get to work together privately, one-on-one, to help you elevate into the person your purpose needs. You'll find the link to Role Model Mastery in the show notes and description of this episode where you can learn more about how it all works and take a behind-the-scenes tour. You can also learn more about me and how we can work together at clarityiscrucial.com. So I want to thank you for tuning into the podcast. And if this episode is resonating with you, then share it with a friend who's ready for that next level in her life too. And be sure to hit subscribe and stay tuned for our next episode. Until then, this is Vanessa Velez for Clarity is Crucial, signing off. Bye for now.